All right. Hello. Good morning. Happy Friday. That's what day you listen to this. If it, if you listen to it, the day it comes out. Otherwise, whatever day of the week it is, happy day. It is <laughs> Sunday for us. We are recording. It is noonish, but I still feel like I just woke up. So I'm going to mm-hmm. pretend it's 7 a.m. so that mm-hmm. it makes sense in my brain. Other than that, hello. Welcome to Sinister Sunrise. I'm Morgan. I'm Sarah. And Morgan, can you explain your outfit to everyone really quick? Oh my quick? God. Because we- it is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You really call me out like that. Okay. Um, she well- gave us a full view earlier. I just need everyone to see what we see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I am proudly, <laughs> proudly repping a SEMO Southeast Missouri State hoodie that says Southeast Red Hawks up and down the arm. Just give you a full picture. It is gray. I have cotton candy colored tie-dye PJ pants on that are like jogger wannabes. And when I say cotton candy, it's like pink and blue and purple swirled together. And then my socks are fuzzy and they are green and red striped. I, yep. Mm -hmm. So it's (laughs) overall a look. Thank you very much for calling me out. (laughs) 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yes. So... You know what? It's Sunday. It's lazy. It's fine. We're all good. Heck yeah. We deserve mm-hmm. a day, right? Everyone deserves just a... Today's my meh. My meh day. <laughs> I haven't even... I've had three sips of coffee. Once the ca- coffee kicks in, then maybe some outfits will change. But yes, that's how it is. Uh, any other... Do we have any other uh, things to discuss or patter, if you will, to hit on um, this morning? Just... Aaron, are you with us today? Oh, I am. Yes. Hello. I'm Aaron. Um, no, you're good. I needed to hear about Morgan's outfit again because I really wanted to. But also, we can talk about our fun little coffee date, yeah. sister Sunday oh date we went on last yeah. week, which was fun. We went to the cutest little coffee shop in Maplewood, mm-hmm. Missouri, and you guys got flowers. And yeah. I think you're they were really good. I'm not they a bouquet really kind cute. of person. Um, do you remember the name of that coffee spot, Erin? So if anyone's in the Midwest, they can go. Yeah. Let me look up just to make sure I say the name correctly because I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. yeah. It was a really cute little like corner um, building cafe. It was, it was really adorable. And they had fresh flowers that Morgan and I both got. Yes. And I will say it's like a very much like a millennial vibe, like, you know, uh, like marble, white marble mm-hmm. tables. Some green velvet chairs that I just know Sarah loved sitting on. Sarah hates velvet. <laughs> and for those uh, want to be like aesthetically or architecture people, I did see some exposed brick in the building and I was here for it. <laughs> I just love it. I think it looks so cool. So, yeah. And then yeah. the flower wall we took pictures in front of. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen that picture, uh, psh, go look at our you know, Instagram and now our new Facebook page yes. that we have and go take a look at that picture because it's adorable. Yeah, it was a really cute little afternoon. Mm-hmm. And if anyone is wanting to look it up, it is called C. Oliver Coffee and Flower Bar. See, yeah. I knew if I didn't look it up, I would have <laughs> said it wrong. So No, fair yes. enough. Yes. yes. But it was super it was, cute. Yeah. It was very fun. Very cute. Very fun. Very fun Sister Sunday. And then we ended yes. the day with some some sun by the pool. Yes. And we got productive. That's why we were able to bring you the Facebook page. So again, yeah. if you haven't gone and liked that, please do. Tell your friends. Share the posts. We just figured some people don't have Instagram. Some mm-hmm. people have both and are more, you know, 
inept with the Facebook world and just like it more. So wanted to, you know, touch all of our listeners' hearts in some way or another. So <laughs> like it. Yeah. We love it. We post stuff there too. So whatever makes your life easier. We love it. We love and appreciate you all. So yeah. Thank you. Great. Anything else? Wow, that was a week ago. That's crazy. That's um, we-, we all had a late night. So that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. 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 Normally recording like what? Like between 8 and 9 a.m. And yeah, we were like last night around like 1045. We were like, oh, we re- what time are we recording tomorrow, squad? Aaron goes, <laughs> how about noon? And I was like, sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Love it. We had a bonfire uh, last night with some of our yes. friends. And Grandma Sarah stayed up far too late. So... Correct. Yes. yes. Um, and I didn't even like think about it. I'm a little, a little raspy. I think it's just, you know, my little asthmatic lungs sitting next to a fire. But oh my God, it was so fun. It was a- beautiful. It was. It was great. Good to see everybody. We were safe, social distanced for people who are very concerned with us. Yes. Um, but again, it's our like close knit group. We don't, it's not like we're going out to a bar and you mm-hmm. know, speaking to a bunch of strangers. So yeah. Like, I know what you guys are doing in your free time. I trust you. Oh, my dog just barked. I thought it was Wes. What? (laughs) What happens at your house? Well, because sometimes Cricket, when she barks, she's like, wah, 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 wah. And so I thought it was Wes in the basement, like, laughing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, there it was again. Um, Please hold. Uh, Elevator music, something. Hold on. Lord, got my own damn paparazzi. Winnie's wait, wait, patiently waiting outside my office door. Just, and then Cricket's barking at the cat. I, okay. Anyway, also I was just thinking we learned things yesterday. Things were learned by us because we are learned women who have not been burned at the stake. Uh, there is. Can someone tell us why there's forty percent DEET in some um, bug sprays? Because it was melting off paint. From things, it was melting off like coating from the inside of jewelry. Yeah, my nail polish got a little ate up. My shoe I may straps. have lost years off my life. I don't know. <laughs> it was very intense. We were just trying to keep the bugs away, and instead, it melted our flesh. Basically, yeah. <laughs> like I was, yes, I was leaning over a tablecloth to like you know kind of put some things together on a table, and the tablecloth melted off on my leg. <gasps> It looked like I had a rash. Yeah. Oh my god. Pink and black. Well, okay. uh, Audience aware, it is a plastic tablecloth, not like a cloth one. (laughs) But like, it looked like like the ink like blood on her skin. And then I noticed my had some on my wrist from my bracelet. And we were like, "What the hell?" And then and your shoes. My shoes. Yeah, I like tried to wash those off as best I could. And then the worst though was (laughs) obviously Sarah was wearing shorts, so she sprayed it all over her legs. And went inside to like pour ice into a bin and had like rested the bag of ice against her leg. And when she pulled it off, there was just blue ink like all <gasps> over her freaking leg. Oh no. Yeah. So, whatever was in that, was it you said 40%? Yes. That was, it was the highest aware. amount. That it, I did read it did say for skin because I was like, damn, are we supposed to be like spraying the yard with this instead? But yeah. you know, it said skin, skin slash clothing. So, uh, only use that in case of emergencies? Question mark. I, don't I guess so. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we're not wilderness enough for it. I don't know because that was. I don't know. Whew. We we switched to fifteen, and I don't think I have 
I mean, I had to reapply, but I don't think I, I don't think I got a bunch of bites like I normally do. So mm. 15 may be the way to go. Just like sunscreen. What is it? Anything above like 50 doesn't do anything anyway. So close enough. Maybe. Buck spray. <laughs> so yeah, if you've used uh, 40% DEET and liked it, can you let us know why? I think I'm missing something. <laughs> I, please, I imagined it was the same. Yeah. Maybe we did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Help a sister out, would you? Hot. We need to know. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, is that all our our banter and sh- patter and before we kick it off? Is that all we have to I think say? so. Wow. Okay. It's been a tame week, I guess. Well, here we go. So. Oh, yeah. oh wait. <laughs> we have to talk about why we're going in this order. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I thought you. Also, yesterday we learned something that Morgan planned a mean, mean game. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was. Okay, bruise their knuckles. <laughs> I've watched the video like 14 times now. Oh I can't god. stop. <laughs> please, please like add a sound effect in there. Oh my god. I don't even know if I need to. Like oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. So I thought I like asked the girls, I was like, hey, since we're getting together on Saturday for a friend's birthday, excuse my nose. Um, would you guys want to play the game together or we can do it separate? And they were like, oh, let's do it together. And I was like, okay, perfect. Cause my game would go either way. So what I decided was we were going to do a pin the tail on the donkey esque game and we'll post pics or vids or whatever we can gather from oh, the video <laughs> has to go somewhere. Okay. It's gold. Well, <laughs> great. So video of, of us playing the game. So I printed out pictures of our Sinister Sunrise logo on our mugs that we have that Sarah mm-hmm. got us. So I printed out a picture of the mug and then printed out picture like three little spoons. And the whole goal was you have to get the spoon in the mug. And that was like pin the tail on the donkey. I was like, okay. So I did that. Fun. We blindfolded everybody. It was great. We spun around three times and we had to go pin it on a wall. And like the thing was obviously like it was like a little tiny, you know, what is it? Eight by 11 sheet of paper. So you, I didn't yeah. want you to like feel around because then it would have been so easy. So it was like more like you just had to boom, go for it. Like boom, put the, put the spoon on the wall. <laughs> and everyone else was gracefully as they could be completely blindfolded. And then there was me. You hear my knuckles. If you hear like a loud pop, 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 you, it's not like it's my hands. Like there's, <laughs> there's no other sounds. That's what it is. Um, but it was like you're trying to go through platform nine and three quarters. Like just. Yeah, and I missed. <laughs> like I, I was Harry and Ron and I was just too freaking late. Like, yeah. That's, <sighs> I think I just didn't realize like how long my arms. I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm gangly. I don't know. So. It was the best thing I've seen in so long. <laughs> We're all like, okay, guys, be careful, be careful. And I'm like, yeah, guys, be careful. And then it was my turn. I'm like, boom. So, yeah, it was great. Um, But you know what? I won. So, <laughs> so it's enough. worth the bruised knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Like, to be honest, they're a little puffy today. I. Oh, that's God. why I couldn't get my rings off last night. Oh. Probably. Oh. I was like, man, I didn't really eat that much, like, salty stuff. Shh. Oh, Morgan. <laughs> ah, that, that darn moco. Oh, jeez. All right. Well. That being said, my spoon, none of us got the spoon anywhere on the paper or the mug, but <laughs> no. I was the closest, Aaron was the second closest, and Miss Sarah was halfway to China, so she is last. <laughs> I kidding. prefer we- my spoons away from the cup. I yeah, thought that we- was the point of the game. <laughs> Sarah, Honestly, we were close. We were all close. <laughs> yeah. 
Sarah, I thought, was going to get it. And then she took a hard left turn. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) If she hadn't done that, she would have been on the paper. She was like, yes. At the last minute, you turned. And I was like, nope, she's done for. (laughs) Isn't that how life works? Yes. (laughs) Every minute, the decisions you make change life. Oh, my God. All right, I'm done. So, yeah, (laughs) it was an interactive game, to say the least. But I had been kind of lame on the last couple games so i wanted to spice it up a little bit so which also listeners at home if you have any game ideas you think would be fun for us to do please send them in like i say all the time but we are your dancing monkeys this is our circus of a podcast send them in Mm -hmm. we'll yeah try it out either uh, together or apart either one Mm -hmm. because we'll make we'll make it work we love it yes yes with with that the order shall be today me aaron and then miss sarah so Mm -hmm. i'll be kicking us off um, I wanted to kind of, obviously with the last weeks of being, you know, in my little female non-learning brain, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this made sense in my brain that they kind of correlated. So here we go. So speaking of the party we were at last night, it was for, um, our other friend, Sarah and not the Sarah, but yes, there are two. So, uh, for my birthday, she got me a book. Um, I think I brought it up a couple episodes ago because I was inspired by one of the entries in it. But today I'll be reading True Ghost Stories. And then it says underneath that, True Ghost Stories of Terrifying Paranormal Activity, Haunted Houses, and Spooky Places from Around the World. And this person just like put them together. So they're not all this person's stories. And I don't know. That's like the whole title of the book. Oh, Joe Levine. 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 Yeah. So I am bringing you chapter one of the book and it is the most harmful poltergeist cases so god again in my brain it kind of like correlated with some possessions so yeah poltergeists are very different uh but regardless i just wanted to go branch off of that so here's a little introduction and then i think there are three short stories so here we go poltergeists are ghosts that are capable of hurting you They can move things and throw objects if they want to. Unfortunately, poltergeists are hateful entities. So more often than not, they will always want to hurt anyone who comes in their way. Their name, which is of German origin, translates into noisy ghosts, which is very fitting, don't you think? In this section, you will learn about the most terrifying poltergeist cases ever recorded. So here we go. The Angry Mackenzie Ghosts in Greyfair Cemetery. Before anything else, let's get a clear picture of who George Mackenzie was. Mackenzie was a lawyer back in the 1600s. During his time, King Charles II wanted a group of Presbyterians. Oh my God, the word is Presbyterians. Oh my God. We are one (laughs) sentence in. We are one (laughs) sentence in. You can do it. You can do it. Here we go. Here we go. During his time, King Charles II wanted a group of Presbyterians (laughs) uh, to Uh change their religions. When the group refused to follow the king's commands, Mackenzie signed their persecution papers. Some of them were executed, but many were also imprisoned. I guess, okay, I did say, I'm so sorry to jump back. It said he wanted the group of Presbyterians, they were called covenators i think that's kind of weird but i could be again hello butcher of words here we go (laughs) (laughs) the prison now called covenanters prison 
had very inhumane methods back then. Most of the prisoners would be left with little food and subjected to the cold winters without any form of heat. And if they were not killed, they were sold to become slaves. The funny thing is, when Bloody McKenzie died, he was buried in Greyfair Cemetery, which is very close to the prison. His final resting place is now uh, famous in the name of the Black Mausoleum and is home to a lot of poltergeist activities. It all started in 1999 when a man was so homeless that he desperately sought the comforts of of the cemetery's warmth. How wrong could he be because what he encountered was not protection but a hateful spirit? Reportedly, he... (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, um, wait. This... Yeah. I'm sorry. The warmth of a cemetery? I think it was like, like, because a mausoleum is like a roofed building. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I know. For a second, also, I was like, I thought ghost energy would be cold. No, okay. I like Got it. low-key skimmed this, so I'm learning things with you. So when I react, <laughs> it is very true. Uh, so here we go. Um, <clears throat> reportedly, he climbed into a coffin in the tomb of George Mackenzie, but instead of being as steady as a rock, the coffin shook on its own, covering the man with dust from the dead. According oh, to rep- yeah, gray, wonderful. According to reports, a guard saw the whole commotion, and both him and the homeless man were terrified. This incident happened in 1998. And since then, Bloody Mackenzie became famous for causing bruises and scratch marks on tourists who visited the grave. A dog walker saw the event, and although he was terrified, he just thought it was the man simply saw a ghost. Well, not exactly, because the real disturbances from angry ghosts are yet to come. From then on, people claimed that strange activities kept happening. In fact, it was so bad that the city council had to close the cemetery to the public. It was only then... When Jan Andrew Henderson, a historian and book writer, established a ghost tour that people came to see the cemetery again. Even Henderson admitted that the case of the Mackenzie poltergeist is uncommon. A poltergeist attack typically happens a few weeks for a few weeks straight and then it will subside. It also usually targets one person or one family. Mackenzie's case went on and on since 1998, although there were times when no activities were recorded. And it had targeted a lot of people, particularly participants of the cemetery tours. That also did not turn out well. (laughs) 350 of the people who participated in the tour claimed that they have been attacked by unknown forces. 170 of them passed out and a lot of them got injuries, including fractured bones. Oh, my God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Should you be around the area of Indenburg, would you dare to visit this cemetery? Or perhaps you may join the tour? While in there, remember that only spirits may be lingering. The prison, after all, is home to tortured spirits. So, yeah. yeah I'd go. Let's go. I'd go. Book I'd go. Our, I mean, also, like, we want to experience something in 350 yes. people. That's a pretty, <laughs> that's a good chunk. Like, I know it might not be the most respectful, but, like, I am, like, craving some ghost experience so I know they are real. Like, Morgan, I know you've seen stuff. I, when I went to Ireland, like, something kind of weird happened, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, this is definitely a ghost. Because there's other, like, explanations. Like, Mm -hmm. if I go to a cemetery, just take three steps, turn around, come home, and I have, like, a fractured wrist, 
I would take that pretty seriously. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, buddy. I had never heard of like someone being that injured, I suppose, like from a poltergeist. And honestly, yeah. after reading this, like I felt like I thought poltergeist, I guess hateful spirits would be the right word. But at the same time, like I thought they were more like pranksters rather than like mean. So again, this is one book's take on it. So I can probably dive into the the realm of more poltergeist activity stuff. But still, just odd that they're classifying these like super scary ones is like it's not just haunted like that is a straight poltergeist ghost spirit mm-hmm. so Ooh. very odd yeah <clears throat> so moving on to part two the poltergeist who loved toys for their privacy the names of the victims were not revealed but through reports they were referred to as mark and marianne they were a couple who were attacked in their home in south shields by a poltergeist what made things more complicated is the fact that they have a three-year-old son. The horror began in 2005 when typical poltergeist activities occurred in their home. Doors slamming, cabinets suddenly opening and closing, and items around the house being moved. Their first shocking experience was when they came home and two chairs were stacked together on top of the table. From there, the months became plagued with annoying and puzzling events. Doors would slam without human interference, and items would go missing and would reappear in different rooms. What they did not expect, though, was when the poltergeist used their son's toys. The worst of the worst. One night, Marianne woke up to a dog toy that had hit her on the head. She turned on the lights, and guess what? A second toy was staring at her, ready to attack. Helpless, all they did was stoop down for cover under their very fragile duvet. Through it all, they felt that someone was trying to pull the blanket away. Oh, no. They were able to keep it up, but it does not mean that they were not, that they were untouched. Particularly Mark, because he suddenly screamed out in pain. The reason? (gasps) 13 long scratches are on his back. (gasps) Oh, no. The scratches, however, were gone by morning. Ooh. Yes. Finally, Howell and Ritson, two famous paranormal experts, decided to take on the case. Since the start of their investigation, they have witnessed almost everything the poltergeist did. If you think that ordeal was over, you're very wrong. The poltergeist continued its attack, and it certainly developed a um, penchant for using toys. Once they saw a stuffed toy holding a cutter and then the toy horse hanging from a ceiling, hanging from the (gasps) ceiling... Sometimes they were even scary notes left on the child's blackboard. Believe it or not, the poltergeist was even able to send text messages to Marianne's phone. If you are wondering what the text messages contained, well, they are not friendly to say the least. Uh, Please excuse my French. One said, you're going to, I'm going to get you, bitch. The other one said, you are dead. When investigated, it turned out that the number where it came from cannot be found on Earth. Neither a computer oh. nor a mobile phone sent those messages. <gasps> it, it, no, no, oh, no, no. I was thinking it's kind of scary because, like, it said 2005. I was like, bro, that's like that. That sounds more recent than anything ever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it does. Okay. As the months, yeah, yeah, yeah. As the months went by, the activities also became more malevolent. Mark would often be a victim of large scratches in the middle of his body. And take note, these scratches were seen 
to seen to vanish right in front of the witness's eyes. Uh, Ritson and Howell, um, Hallowell, sorry if I said that wrong earlier, Hallowell, saw cupboards being opened, lampshades being swayed, and blankets on the bed being moved. What's even more terrifying is sometimes the couple would not find their own son. He would be found mm. under the tables and inside closets where he was often clutched his, sitting there clutching his blanket tightly. Aww. On one occasion, he was seen laying on the floor with a plastic table on top of him. He appeared awake because his eyes were open, but he was not moving, as if he was under a trance. The investigators first thought that, that the activities were only created by repressed emotions, but later on, they doubted it. It is clear that whoever was plaguing the family was a malevolent soul who wanted to bring out fear. They concluded that this poltergeist actually fed on people's fear, hence the reason why there was no actual harm done, only events that would scare off the couple and their son. One of the highlights of this case is the water bottle for photographed by Ritson and Hollowell. The bottle was on top of a table and was positioned diagonally, perfectly balanced even when no one was touching it. Oh. Fed up with everything, Mark and Marianne moved out of the house. Ritson and Hallowell, clearly engrossed with the case, wrote a full book about it. So, if you'd like to learn more about that, look for a book. I don't know. It doesn't say the name. Ritson and Hallowell. It's R-I-T-S-O-N and H-A-L-L-O-W-E-L-L. In case you want to read that. And that's where that one ends. This is the last case. Cool. Esther's Poltergeist. Esther. <laughs> Esther. Having a stalker is scary enough, but what would you do if the said stalker was a poltergeist? Well, Esther Cox did not know that answer, the answer to that question either. So she also did not know why the poltergeist took a liking to her. It is said that the entity followed her and tortured her so much that many people witnessed her sufferings. Her case eventually became one of the most famous poltergeists poltergeist cases in canadian history her nightmare began while she was residing in the home of her sister olive teed together with her husband daniel teed olive and daniel had two small children also living in the house was two of esther's siblings and daniel's little brother so we got a crowded house yeah. but even though their house was already crowded okay i didn't even see that word she read my mind okay <laughs> but even though their house was already crowded they still took on a boarder named walter hubble an actor who would later write a book regarding esther's case according to reports esther was nearly oh sorry i'm a trigger warning sorry i did not know this was in here trigger trigger sorry according to reports esther was nearly raped by a shoemaker named bob mcneil mcneil Bob was Esther's acquaintance only because she did not know of his bad reputation. She escaped the attack, but it is of her terror that opened up the doors for more terrifying experiences and would follow her with persistence. On to the story. One night while sleeping, Esther and her little sister, Jenny, felt something crawling beneath the bed. And this is something that was first that was thought to be a rodent. Simple, a harmless oh. rat. What? But the whole house... Right? No. <laughs> The whole house we are was different searched. people. Oh, God. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Something's crawling under your bed. Like, no, 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 no. This is nothing simple. Nothing simple here. No. Um, the whole house was searched for the rodent, but they couldn't find anything. Night after night, Esther would complain of it, and the whole household, again, would be searching for this menacing rat. They could not find anything still. 
On one occasion, Esther woke up screaming, and when the family members went to the rescue, they saw that the bed was haphazardly unmade. At first, they thought Esther was only imagining things. What if all the stress of being a victim of the attempted rape got to her, but what they would later witness would change their minds? One night after dinner, Esther told her family that she would be going to bed early because she felt a little feverish. After some time, Jenny followed her and was surprised when upon reaching the bed, Esther shouted, My God, what is happening to me? I feel like I'm dying. Terrified, Jenny turned on the lights and was shocked to see Esther's whole body swelling. Jenny called their sister Olive and both of them tried to get Esther back to bed to calm her down, but to no avail. It was as if Esther was choking. Her skin was bright red and swelling and she was, was extremely hot to the touch. Suddenly, four loud bangs were heard from underneath Esther's bed. The bangs were so loud that it shook the whole room. When they looked back at Esther, her skin had returned to normal, and she had calmed down, calmed down enough to send her into a deep, peaceful slumber. Uh, desperate, they consulted a doctor who watched Esther as she fell asleep. In the middle of the night, the same thing happened. The doctor watched as the blankets were pulled and pillows thrown. Another scary thing that happened during the night was when a writing on the wall was initiated using an unknown instrument. The message clearly wrote, Esther, you are mine to kill. (sighs) (sighs) Even even with the doctor's assistance, Esther was helpless. In fact, the malevolent attacks became more severe. Knives and sharp tools were also being hurled and thrown into the woodworks. Over time, the cases became even more severe. The ghost started to create fires and threatened to burn the house should Esther not leave. Esther left, but the ghost followed. Once, when Esther tried to attend Mass, she sat at the rear side of the church. All of the sudden, loud noises could be heard. It was loud and annoying enough to drown out the sermon of the minister. Knowing exactly that she was the cause of the noises, Esther left and the noises stopped. She tried to stay with one of their neighbors, But when the poltergeist followed her there and started disturbing their innocent family, she also left. Poor Esther. I know. While Esther was working, a knife suddenly flew at her back, injuring her. When a man tried to help, an invisible force grabbed the knife yet again and plunged itself into the same spot in her back. Oh Oh my god! Oh! Yeah. The wound caught infection and Esther almost did not live. After the ordeal, Esther met a man who had a... ridiculous idea he prompted esther to quote perform on a stage and let the audience watch as the poltergeist attacked her i'm sorry what (laughs) that's terrible unfortunately the plan was sabotaged as the ghost seemed not inclined of the to the idea of performing people left and esther and the man were forced to abandon the idea so like a poltergeist talent show what's happening Uh, like what like i'm sorry you what? No. Nobody wants to watch that. Literally no. cue the circus music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? That's awful. I don't know who this guy was, but he was a bad news bars. Actually, I don't know. Good for you for trying to make a negative into a positive, I guess. Make some money yeah, on it. That's true. Okay. Since you okay. can't live with anybody or do anything or go to and church. Yeah, and she can't work because she gets stabbed, literally. So it's fucking, yeah. So. Yeah, I get it. Good try. After that, Esther started working as a helper, but the ghost was still adamant in making her life hell on earth. 
The poltergeist caused a fire and the owners of the house accused Esther of doing it. Although Esther tried and tried to explain that it was her ghost stalker, she was still charged with arson and was sent to jail. (gasps) What? (laughs) Poor Esther. I know. While in jail, it seemed like the ghost no longer had a penchant for her because the presence diminished until it totally died down. And Esther was left alone by the stalker she did not even want in the first place. Who wants one? Who wants a stalker? Come on. That was bad wording. Uh, Speak for yourself. (laughs) And okay. Esther Esther was 19 when the attack first happened. And the year it was reported was 1878. The ordeal that Esther was able to... Wait, what? Oh, after the ordeal, Esther was able to marry twice, but she also faced her demise in 1912. Dang, she was young. After her death, the family's boarder, Walter Hubble, published his book entitled The Great Amherst Mystery. In the book, 16 people have signed affidavits clearly stating that they were witnesses to the events that happened to Esther. And that, my lovely sisters, is, I'm going back to the title, three of the most harmful poltergeist cases according to this book by Joe Levine. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. The stalker one just sucks. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, literally sucks. <laughs> the George McKenzie one at the very beginning, I can kind of get why he's all angry. Like, he did wake him up from his slumber, like his place of rest. Yeah. I can see him being like a grumpy old man, like, God damn you. Like, it seemed he was like not probably not the nicest person on. Oh, no. While he was alive. But, like, I feel like he was Jay chilling in his little mausoleum tomb and you wrecked his world. Like, yeah. A little bit on you. Mm-hmm. A little bit on you. Oy. But yeah, so Ooh. with that, A-A-Ron, you ready, girl? Oh, yeah. All right, you guys ready for my story? Yeah, hey, mama. Yeah. Okay. The story I have today is a bit different from the other stories I've told in past episodes, but it's mm. just as bizarre and crazy. I will be covering the mysterious disappearance of the Trump family and their not-so-average road trip. You say Trump family? Trump. Yes, Sarah. (laughs) You may have slightly mentioned this in a past episode. I believe I did, yeah. Morgan, I I did. When we get into it, I think you'll remember from what episode Sarah mentioned it. I'm always the last one to know stuff. All right, go. Well, I don't know the details on it. I just know um, one of our friends, Brooke, told me about it. That's how I got a topic once. Go on, go on. <laughs> Thank you for yes. doing that as soon as I took a huge sip of my coffee. <laughs> okay. You're Aaron. welcome. Begin, ma'am. Yes. All right. 51-year-old Mark Trump and 53-year-old Jacoba Trump lived in their Sylvan Australia home with their three children, 29-year-old Rihanna Trump, 25-year-old Mitchell Trump, and 22-year-old Ella Trump. Mark and Jacoba ran an earth-moving business and a berry farm where the family of five worked seven days a week. Taryn Bach, the woman who sold the farm to the Trumps, said that Jacoba was, quote, the brains of the operation, end quote, and handled the business side of things, while Mark and his son and daughters worked in the fields. 
The family was described as hardworking, upstanding, and intelligent, and locals were shocked when the seemingly normal family up and disappeared. On, mm -hmm. On Tuesday, August 30th, 2016, Victorian police arrived at the Trump residence and discovered the front door unlocked. Officers walked inside and noticed several piles of documents covering different parts of the home. According to the Daily Telegraph, years of financial records relating to the Tromps farm were scattered on the kitchen bench and floor, but most of the documents were actually, like, systematically stacked, like someone had been looking for something specific. Hmm. After... Conducting a thorough search of the house and farm, multiple cell phones, passports, and credit cards belonging to the family were discovered, but the family of five was nowhere to be found. While most of the family cars were located with their keys in the ignitions, Ella Trump's silver Pujo SUV was not accounted for. Police confirmed there was no sign of an intruder and there was no evidence suggesting the home had been broken into, so they believed that the family had fled, but they had no idea why. And could the Trumps... Mm. So the Trumps had actually left their home the day before, taking only cash and leaving behind their electronics, credit cards, basically anything that could potentially point someone in their direction. Mark drove Ella's car 500 miles north to the town of Bathurst, which is roughly eight and a half hours away from Sylvan. And about 19 miles into their trip, Mark and Jacoba realized that Mitchell hadn't left his phone at home and had snuck it with him in the car. They forced Mitchell to toss his phone out the window because they were convinced that they were being tracked. Okay. Yeah. And this is 2016. That was probably an iPhone. That was probably expensive. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not getting that back. Around (laughs) 7 a.m. on the morning of August 30th, Mitchell split up from his family, probably because he was fed up with his parents and this strange trip already. Um, And Mitchell stayed behind in Bathurst while the rest of the Tromps continued driving north until, a little over an hour later, they reached the Janolan Caves in New South Wales. Ella and Rihanna got out of the car and also split up from their parents. The sisters stole a car and drove almost two hours to Goulburn, where they reported Mark and Jacoba missing. And then Ella and Rihanna decided to go their separate ways and split up for whatever reason. Okay. Oh, wait, I have a question. These are yes. all like tw- 20s, 30s? Yeah, they're all in their 20s. Okay. The kids. Okay. Okay. Yes. Cool. So at this moment, all of the kids have split up, and it's just Mark and Jacoba together at the moment. Weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hate our family vacations. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> Goldburn resident Keith Whitaker had stopped at a gas station that afternoon to fill up his tank and started to head to his doctor's appointment when he felt his Ford F-250 truck suddenly lurch. He pulled over and turned around in his seat and discovered a woman lying on the floor in the back of his truck. (gasps) What? So, yeah, Whitaker was clearly startled, and he attempted to ask the woman who she was and what she was doing, but she didn't appear to know where she was, and she didn't even seem to know her name. So not sure how to help her, he called the police and noted, quote, until the police arrived, she mostly sat and stared straight ahead as if she was catatonic, end quote. Police, mm -hmm, it's bizarre. Police arrived around 2 p.m. and took the woman, who was later identified as Rihanna Tromp, to the Goldburn police station. According to the Goldburn Post, before she left with the officers, Rihanna offered to pay Keith $50 for the trouble she had caused him, but he declined and basically just wished her well. So he didn't want any money. He just wanted her to be safe and get the help she needed. 
Mm-hmm. Rihanna yeah. was later transported by police to Goldburn Hospital, where she was treated for stress-related issues. So while Rihanna was casually trying to hitch a ride, Ella drove back to Sylvan in the stolen car and arrived home Tuesday night. By the time Ella got there, police officers had already arrived and had searched the property. And on the morning of Wednesday, August 31st, Mitchell arrived back in Sylvan after taking an overnight train from Sydney. At this point, I believe the story was being covered by multiple news outlets and it was blowing up. So everyone in Australia was talking about this bizarre situation. Okay. All of the Trump children were accounted for, but there had been no sign of their parents. According to BuzzFeed Unsolved, Mark and Jacoba drove Ella's car back towards Sylvan, stopping in a town called Wangaratta, where they parted ways. Mark ended up staying in Wangaratta, where investigators believed he was involved in a tailgating incident. Around 10 p.m. that night, a young couple was playing Pokemon Go, which you did in 2016, which also feels like a century ago. Like 2016. (laughs) That doesn't feel like just four years ago. But I mean, you got to catch them all. Totally understand. (laughs) Uh, When the male driver noticed the car behind him, which he described as the same make and color as Ella Tromp's car, was so close to his bumper he couldn't even make out its headlights. Oh, The couple... mm Mm-hmm. The couple decided to pull over to let the car pass them, but when they stopped on the side of the road, the tailgating car also pulled over and stopped. And this part is just the creepiest. The driver, who is believed to be Mark Trump, got out of the car and ran towards the couple, but he didn't reach their car. He stopped abruptly in the middle of the road and just stared at them. (laughs) What? (laughs) At that point, I would think, like, this is it. Game over. I'm dead. Like, this guy's yeah. going to murder me. Like, hills have eyes? What is this? I, I don't say know. Wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, that too. That's what it sounds like. What? Okay. And oh, it gets worse me. because after, you know, staring at them for who knows how long, Mark walked into the nearby Mariwa Park and just vanished. Wh- what? Mm-hmm. What? Just walked away. Okay. The couple... Mm-hmm. The couple called the police, and when they arrived on the scene, they discovered the car Mark was driving still had the keys and the ignition. They searched the area in an attempt to find him, but to no avail. Police had received a report that one of the rooms at the Miller's Cottage Hotel had been broken into, so they theorized that Mark had likely broken in and stayed there for the night. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Hmm. Now, Jacoba took public transportation and headed back north, where she stopped in the town of Yes, and tried to book a motel room. According to BuzzFeed Unsolved, a local noticed Jacoba walking around in an agitated state and offered to drive her to Yass Hospital. A staff member recognized her and called the police. Sergeant Mark Knight of the New South Wales Police stated that Jacoba's mental health was assessed and doctors determined it, quote, wasn't of a good standard, end quote. And Jacoba was later transferred to the same hospital Rihanna was receiving treatment at. Okay. On Thursday, September 1st, Mitchell made a public appearance on Australia's Channel 9 Today News alongside police, asking the public to help in the search for his father. He told Today, quote, he's scared that people are after him. He's not in a good state of mind, end quote. But Mitchell didn't elaborate on who those supposed people were, and he told the host, Sylvia Jeffers, that he had zero explanation regarding his parents' strange behavior and that he'd never seen his parents act this way before. 
The story of the Trumps had obviously gained widespread media attention, and according to the Daily Telegraph, police received several reports of locals spotting Mark Trump in the New South Wales and Victoria area, but the details were allegedly too vague to investigate. The huge media coverage also led to a lot of false reports, which didn't help with the search. And I also just hate when I hear about that happening in a case. Like, I hope yeah. most of the time if it's a false report, it's just someone maybe thinking they're seeing him. Yeah. But it ends up not being that way. But I, I just hate when it's someone actually maliciously making a, a false report. Or they're like, Which they're I'm like, glad that. Yeah. yeah. I'll say I'm time. glad that's a crime. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it should be a crime. Like, you're wasting people's time and valuable resources. It's not mm-hmm. funny. Don't do that. No, no, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, it's and not also, a joke. Like, even if you, like, I'm not, obviously, I'm not saying, like, don't report stuff because obviously you should. But, like, mm. really think about it. Because I feel like there are some people, like, they may in their hardest of hearts have the good, like, good intention. But it's like, oh, yeah, I saw him at this store. I was there and I saw him. But really, it's like, no, you saw a guy who looked like him. Like, say that. Mm-hmm. Say, I saw a gentleman who resembled him. Like, some people are so – they, like, treat it as such fact. Like, mm-hmm. you hear that where it's like, they're yeah. so right. They're so sure. And then it's not right at all. So, Ugh, dicey game you play when you're given tips. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> when you're given tips. All right. I'm so I am. I don't even know. I feel like I'm on this roller coaster with these children, but I'm also like worried because they seem kind of weird, too. So, okay, I'm good. I'm good for it. I'm here (laughs) for it. I want to know. On Friday, September 3rd, around 5.50 p.m., Mark was discovered walking on a road in Wangaratta. Police officers picked him up and drove him to the police station where he was questioned and administered a mental health assessment. There were several reporters outside of the station when a family member came to get Mark. He didn't speak to any reporters, but as a car drove away from the police station and the media, he gave them the middle finger. Whoa. (laughs) All right. Thank you, family. (laughs) What a badass. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) On Saturday, September 4th, Mitchell and Ella made a public appearance, thanking the police, media, and the public for their father's safe return. They both commented on how they were still in a state of confusion about everything that transpired over the past five days. The reporter tried asking what events led up to them even getting into the car on Monday before the trip started, but mm-hmm. they didn't go into any detail, only saying there was no one reason for it and that the whole thing was bizarre. And a week later, Mark apologized for, quote, the hurt and concern caused by these events, end quote. Since the Trump family wasn't providing any answers, the public started to speculate and propose theories of their own as to why this seemingly ordinary family would have fled. Some theorized the family suffered from delusions caused by environmental toxins on their berry farm, but police found no evidence to back this up. Some internet sleuths believed the family was running from debt collectors or the mob. According to BuzzFeed Unsolved, the Trump family had planned on leaving Australia to go somewhere completely off the grid, but they changed their minds because they believed their passports could be tracked. And this is an interesting theory, especially since they left their passports, cell phones, and credit cards behind. But police apparently ruled this theory out, too. Wouldn't you argue that Australia is kind of off the grid, like <laughs> in a lot of places? Well, yes, that's why they decided no to drive to our, instead. Okay, I was like, no offense to our Australia yeah. listeners, but my understanding is like the coasts is where most people live. Mm-hmm. And then the inland is where it gets crazy. 
and you don't have so many towns. Yeah. I don't know where they were originally planning on going, but it seemed like they did want to take a plane somewhere, but then they thought their passports could be tracked. So they're like, never mind, road trip to somewhere completely off the grid. hmm. Yeah, you'd have to because I don't think you can even book a hotel room without your credit card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this Hmm. is not the era to go missing anymore. Like you, it takes a lot of work now. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry. According to Sergeant Knight, the family didn't have any outstanding debts, so it's hard to believe that someone was coming after them. Also, if they really feared for their safety, it doesn't make sense to me that the family would split up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At all. Especially, like, they're, they see, they all do live on the farm, and, like, they seem close. Like, weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. If they truly thought someone was out to, you know, get them or kill them, why they would split up just doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. I agree. The most... Oh, yes, Sarah? No, continue. I have a theory, but continue. Okay. Um, the most prominent theory is that the Trump family suffered from folia du, also known as shared oh, psychosis, oh, where... Bringing it back. Yeah, bringing it all back. <laughs> oh, what if I was like... What if I just sat here like... Like crickets. Like, <laughs> is that <your> oh. <laughs> Yeah, was that bad? Uh-huh. I could do hot... No, it was... Yeah. No, it was amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was me. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what if I just sat there? Sorry, but yes. Oh, now I'm with it. Now I feel yes. like I'm part of the gang again. Hey, right, hey. Cool. And listeners, if you don't remember, shared psychosis is when two or more people in a close relationship share the same delusion. Um, the family had no history of mental illness, and there was no evidence that the Trumps were using drugs. Doctors, however, believed that either Mark or Jacoba were likely the ones to start having these delusions. And the media reported that both Mark and Jacoba had shown increased signs of mental stress. Rihanna stated in an interview that the buildup of stresses led to her father suffering an intense mental breakdown, and he began to fear that someone was going to kill him. So regardless of, you know, which parent first started to believe that someone was out to get them, both Mark and Jacoba were, quote unquote, reinforcing each other's paranoia. Mm-hmm. According to Woman's Day, Rihanna appeared to agree with this theory, stating, quote, you do start thinking the same. You have a few things and they do build up. You can get sick in some way, end quote. However, to this day, no one knows for certain why the Trump family fled their home and went on an almost 1,000 mile road trip. Sergeant Knight stated that this was the most bizarre case he had come across in his entire 30 years on the force. Mitchell appeared to be the only Trump that didn't share his father's paranoia, stating that he decided to go with his family because he couldn't leave them and he needed to see where they were going. And also, he was the only one to bring his phone and he was the first one to say, see you later and <laughs> try to head back yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> so I can agree with that. Ella was charged with car theft, but the owner of the vehicle dropped the charges after hearing about the circumstances of the case. According to Rihanna, the family is happy, healthy, and trying to get over everything that happened. They have seemingly returned to their lives like the road trip never happened. Wow. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is the story of the mysterious disappearance and road trip of the Trump family. Okay. Crazy. With your details, here's what I think happened. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So Mark and Jacoba, that's the parents, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were very isolated, right, on their farm? I think so, yeah. Okay, so I think they're definitely feeding into each other. And then the daughters, like, you want to trust your parents, like, implicitly, right? 
So they're like, okay, like if something is going down, we have to leave. Like, yeah, let's all go. Okay. Okay. I'm really scared. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Let's go. So they all get in the car and the son is probably like, I imagine him smoking cigarettes. Like I am so over this family. Jesus, (laughs) get me out of here. (laughs) Like the cool guy from Knives Out. Like you just like here for the ride. Yes. (laughs) And like after 800 miles, he has to be like, Jesus, this is not going to end, is it? It was supposed to be funny. I was going to put it on TikTok or I guess on um, Vine, but now because mine would have been cool then, right? I'd be done with it whenever my parents told me to throw my phone out the window. (laughs) I'd say, okay, throw line. Throw me out the window too then, mom and dad. Like, yeah. (laughs) And then like as things went on, like the daughters probably started getting more details that didn't make sense. And they finally were kind of like, this doesn't track. This does not add up. So they probably made a little pact and they ran off. And then the parents finished the ordeal. But yeah. Still I, weird that the sisters then split up again. Like something. That is definitely like strange. There was definitely some bickering. Like there had to be a fight. You know what I'm saying? Like probably like a difference in opinion about what to do. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like it was a calculated move to separate. It seemed more like. Yeah. Seems like but none also, of it was a calculated move. <laughs> yeah. 100% not. Wow. But also it's. Interesting, too, because Ella takes that stolen car and goes home, but she leaves her sister, and that guy found her in, like, a catatonic state. Like, she didn't Mm -hmm. know who she was or where she was, so that doesn't – that also seems strange. I don't have – Why her sister would leave her. Yeah. Let me – let me go back to my studies, and I shall return with an answer. No, I won't. I don't know. Wow. It sounds stressful, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. – Road trips aren't always fun. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure how long the police like investigated this, but since the mm-hmm. family was found safe and sound, I think they were like, well, there's <laughs> nothing else not for us to waste, do. Yeah, not going to waste yeah. our time with a found family. Yeah, because well, yeah, nothing's ever been confirmed. None of those theories have ever been confirmed, but there is that. The shared psychosis theory is the one that's mainly believed. Well, yeah, besides the stolen car, they didn't really commit any crimes. They just drove yeah. a lot, used cash. With no cell phones. That's really, it's weird, but it's not illegal. Yeah. Very, very bizarre. Well, thank you, Erin. Yeah, that was wild. You're welcome. And now I think it's your turn, Sarah. Mm. It is. It is my turn. And I also did something a little different this time. Oh my gosh, guys. Look at us. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, what is happening? What? You're in Sheriff Sarah's house now. <laughs> oh my God. Howdy, howdy. All right, so today we are talking about the box. No, the myth. Nay, the legend, the polygraph machine. Ooh. It has come up before, and we said someone should never take it, but do you know why? Can we put our money where our hypothetical mouths are? Wow. <laughs> I so pick up. Mm-hmm. I, are we it, I'm sorry. Have we not announced? Um, Sarah is wearing a plastic cowboy hat right now. Because uh, I am the sheriff. Yes. Okay. I'm making okay. you guys take a polygraph. Oh, shit. Well, here we go. I feel so, like I uh, need my hat, too. Pick cowboy. up your drinks. This may be the last ones you have as free women. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if it confuses you as to why this is one of my stories, there is psychology in it. I promise. And this is exactly what I had to say in my first human resources interview after college with my psychology degree, but it is there. I promise. Hmm. Literally, they'd be like, so you want to be an HR assistant and you have a bachelor's in psychology? 
And I was like, yes, I do. And yes, I do. If you kind of, and I quote said this in an interview, if you just squint your eyes and kind of cock your head to the side, it makes sense. Just think about it. Yeah. <laughs> did you get the job? I did. I did. Yeah. I'm cheeky. That's what we're talking about. She's cheeky, ladies. And cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky. Um, mostly ladies. We have seen that mostly ladies listen to the show, which I can't believe mm. that's the demographic, but it is. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, but so we love everyone equally who listens. Yes, every single every single human. Yes, thank you. Bless you. So the polygraph machine is better known as the lie detector tests, and literally, people think it can tell you if someone is telling the truth or lying. Which plot twist that does not exist. So just so you know, um, what it really is is a machine that measures several physiological indicators. So while someone is asking you questions or multiple questions, they're looking at your blood pressure, your pulse, your respiration, and your skin conductivity. Some of them will also record like your leg and arm movement. Okay. Also, um, when I got this hat, I forgot that we wear headphones, so I'm going to take it off for a bit because as you can imagine, it does not fit atop my headphones. <laughs> I, I feel like a fool, which is weird because I would have felt so cool with it all. Oh, wait. <laughs> okay, here we go. Maybe you can balance it. I feel like Mulan. Like, this is what you give me to work with. Oh, my God. <laughs> so while law enforcement on TV has painted it as infallible, the polygraph was not even made to be a lie detector. It was actually pick up your drinks. Do you guys have any idea what the polygraph was made to do originally? Oh. And keep in mind, it's measuring blood pressure, pulse, respiration. Um, something with af- with sports. Okay. Athletes. Erin? Okay. I was going to say if maybe like doctors or somebody used it in like a hospital setting, but I wouldn't know for what. Erin um. is the closest, unlike the game we played. We'll give her a win where she can have it. Morgan, am I right? <laughs> okay. So we're going to ignore that your spoon was farther than my spoon? <laughs> Woo! Uh, there it was. I'm wearing a dunce hat right now. I think I am fully immersing myself <laughs> in the loss. Okay. Yes, I am just yes. taking it in strides. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it was made to do was diagnose cardiac anomalies and to monitor oh. patients during surgery. Oh. Yeah. Does that mean like back, this is like oh. early 1900s, like because they didn't have all the oh. fancy stuff we have now. Okay, yes. Interesting. I should have said that. Early nineteen hundreds. Nineteen hundreds, and then I I would have gotten it. I'm okay. sorry, I'm sorry. Or like late eighteen hundreds. It's hard to actually put like a pinpoint on when it was made because there's been so many versions and like so many things. But I know the original like use for these type of machines was in the medical sphere. Okay. So um so people have always known that there are tells of some kind. I don't need to wear this until I'm a sheriff again. People have always known that there are tells of some kind when someone is lying, but not sure what exactly. So this polygraph had been created, but then tweaked and tested, and then someone else would see an opportunity to make a small change, and they would tweak and test it and so on. But in the 1920s, the Berkeley, California Police Department was really trying to crack down on perps like your sales. Mm. And um, they wanted to do it in a scientific way. So a policeman and physiologist, John Larson, had read some studies about the polygraph, and he tweaked it to the closest version of our modern polygraph today. 
So a few wow. years later, and that's in the 1920s, I believe 1921 to be exact. Good for him. A few, mm-hmm, yeah, he took it, he saw it, and he said, let's use it. And then, of course, the police chief was all about it because they're trying to make things more scientific. But keep in mind, I actually watched in Adam Ruins Everything episode about this, and he kind of called it like a fringe science. Like uh-huh, kind of like fair. those bars that find water. Like he he said most people knew it was fringe science back then, but they were trying to make it more real. Yeah. So okay. a few years later, there was an attempt to have a polygraph test admitted into a trial, which was swiftly denied by a judge saying, quote, while courts go a long way in admitting experimental testimony deduced from a well-recognized scientific principle or discovery, the thinking from which the discovery the deduction is made must be sufficiently established in order to have gained general acceptance in the particular field to which it belongs. Which I'm going to do everyone a favor. This is a long-winded way to say this new magical machine can't be admitted into my court because literally no one else uses it and we have no scientific proof that it is a lasso of truth. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hence why true. I have the hat on. I make decisions. I am the authority. <laughs> I am the authority. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're welcome. No, when I was writing, I was like, this is the longest way to say it, but I guess that's kind of how law is. You have to really like point out everything you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ruling, by the way, is known as the Fry Standard, F-R-Y-E, because it came from the case, the United States versus Fry. So if anyone loves trivia, that is a fun fact. Um, and it happened in 1923. Wow. So it is still intact today. And repeat, polygraph results are usually not admissible in court. Usually. I read one source that they there's always a push to allow them. And they're usually... If they're ever going to be in court, it's going to be like in the pre-trial section. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I read somewhere like too, like you can ask them if they've taken it. Like if I was the person, the other person's like lawyer and I was questioning, like I could ask them if they took one and if, yes. they pa- if they knew if they passed or failed, which every single time someone goes, they go, I don't know. So. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think you have to say, no. you know what I'm saying? Because it's not admissible. Right? The source also said that it was admissible in the OJ Simpson trial. Oh, so I'm guessing I didn't read deeply into it because I that was the last thing I found. And I was kind of like, I'm not I don't have pages, but I'm thinking he passed it. And that's why it was admissible. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I think if Ah, he had failed it, there's no way they would have let that in there. Um, Fair. But I could be wrong. So if you were getting a polygraph, what is going to happen is someone should sit you down first and ask do you consent to taking a polygraph? So we're doing a choose-your-own-adventure here, ladies. You are under suspicion of stealing two of my hot dogs last night. (laughs) Do you consent to taking a polygraph? And this is just to rule you out as a suspect. Nope. No. Well, you know guilty parties normally are the ones that say no. Fine, sure. I'll do it. Oh, so now you want to do it because I pushed you? Yeah. Yeah. It's your hat. Well, you ain't from around here. (laughs) (laughs) I was practicing and I was not even this ridiculous. Okay. So next they're going to ask you a list of basic questions. And this is so they – oh, wait, sorry. And they have to be asked in a way that is a yes, no answer. Mm -hmm. So 
Are you, in fact, members of the podcast Sinister Sunrise? Yes. Yep. All right. Lie Detector Test says that's true. Have you ever lied to cover up a minor criminal act? How minor? Nope. No. <laughs> oh, that's got to be a lie. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so the point of these questions is to get a baseline of the perps. And I'm going to keep calling perps. Vital signs, which is the crazy looking graph maker. That's what it's doing. When it's like, scribble, 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 mm-hmm. scribble, scribble, scribble. <laughs> But it's like, or, oh, I know you can make all of our sound. sounds from now on because that's actually way better but, than scribble, scribble, scribble. But it reminded um. me of beep, 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 beep. But that's a telegram, so <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's fine. I wish it made that Rock. Sound. Schoolhouse Rock taught me a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think Schoolhouse Rock is on Disney Plus. What? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Brb! I know what I'm doing. My whole guys, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm just kidding. Wow, I, think I, know I saw it when I was trying to find summer. Alice in Wonderland the other night. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check. Oh it's God. on one of them. It's either Hulu or uh, Disney Plus. Uh, sidebar. Janet, here I come. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, yes, that's what the crazy lines are doing. They're just trying to see, like, what your average, you know, your baseline of, like, all your vitals is. Yeah. So, and then they're going to take extra special care to tell you that it can detect any lies. So, y'all better be honest. You hear? And yeah. no, it is not only used in southern states. That's just the kind of sheriff I want to be. <laughs> um, just just to clarify for everyone out there. Now they're going to start heating up. They're going to ask more intense questions and watch for your vitals. And if you, the perps, make any drastic changes, the jig is up. We knew you were nothing but a yellow-bellied liar. Oh, but if you stayed the same, you'd be telling the truth. Oh. Which is why I am a naturally sweaty person. Well, I would be if I didn't use zero sweat deodorant. Ooh. <laughs> and our listeners right now can use it too. <laughs> if you have to take a polygraph, don't sweat it. <laughs> That's what we always say. Right now, if you log on to zerosweat.com slash... Is it Sinister Sun? No, just zerosweat.com and at checkout use promo code SINISTER to get 20% off of any $15 purchase or more. Yes. So on the day of a polygraph, you would wear it and then your perspiration would not throw off the results. So when in doubt, like this could potentially save you some jail time. So you may want to make a purchase. Just I think it's worth it. And we got you a (laughs) coupe. Who doesn't love a coupe? We love a (laughs) coupon. Coupon. Okay, <sighs> so that was my plug. <laughs> because literally one it. of the things that it, um, it detects is like your perspiration of your skin. So it's going to know if you're sweating more when you answer a question. But not if you had Great. that roll so on zero I'm sweat. passing this. I'm passing this with flying colors because you mm-hmm. know your girl put it on last night before bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there are actually no physiological reactions to lying. Fun fact. Um, huh? However, yes. Just like there's no set what. Is this actually like not a set amount for each person? So there are some supposed things that can be sensors that someone is lying. So it's almost um, like um, when you play poker and everyone has a tell, but it's different. Yes. Yes. I love relating your lessons to my real life so I can actually understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I appreciate it. (laughs) So someone could make a sudden head movement. It could be retracted or jerked back or or bowed or... (laughs) 
I think they just used every word, or cocked or tilted. Yeah, so <laughs> any sudden head movement. Um, their breathing could change, hence why it is studied with the polygraph. They could fidget when they're nervous. They can also stand unnaturally still when lying. Um, some psychologists think oh. it's a primitive neurological fight response rather than flight, so they stand really stiff, like readying their body for confrontation. Ooh, hmm. never heard that one. That's interesting. Yeah, they may repeat words or phrases. This is to try and convince you and themselves that something is true. Um, but yet again, this wouldn't count in a polygraph because you can't give those long answers you see on TV. They really try and make it yes or no. Um, mm-hmm. But I lost my place in the thing. Uh, yes, okay. So the repetition may also buy them some time as they attempt to gather their thoughts. So the example given was, I didn't, no, I, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't. Yeah, so you can see like them buying themselves time and or convincing themselves. Um, yeah. They could provide too much information, even when they weren't asked for details. They mm-hmm. may touch or cover their mouth. They may oh, instinctfully yeah. cover their vulnerable, port- vulnerable parts of their body, like throat, chest, head, stomach. Um, they may shuffle their feet. I spelled it shiffle, which is not a word. Um, <laughs> and they may stare at you without blinking very much. So Ooh. this is one of those weird things. It's more common that someone's going to break eye contact when they're lying. But because people know this, they may be trying to do the opposite to avoid it. So they're going to hold your eye contact for too long. I myself would do this to my mom in high school when I would lie to her about stuff. I, and I always knew I was looking too long because, you know, when you stare at someone, you start to actually stare at one eye than the other eye because you don't know which to stare at. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember doing that in the hallway to my mom so many times. Like, yeah, I'm just going to the mall with friends. Back and yeah. forth. Back and forth. Yes. <laughs> um, so out of all that I said, did you hear pulse increase, breathing increase? Well, you heard breathing increase. Perspiration or blood pressure? Mm-hmm. No, because that is not really – a oh. specific identify you heard one of them yes but yeah, overall okay, okay. there's not one specific identifiable like physiological response to lying and notice Makes that sense. I yeah notice that I kept saying may or a person might do this mm-hmm. yeah that makes it incredibly hard to determine who is lying and who is telling the truth mm-hmm. and honestly humans are so complex like any number of things could change their physiological vitals example a Sitting in an interrogation room, terrified, taking a polygraph test. Oh, yeah. Sorry, little sidebar. Did yeah. anyone watch the show Lie to Me? No, I did not. So I can't remember the actor's name. It came out years ago, and I think it was canceled. But it was basically, he was basically like a human like lie detector, a human polygraph machine, if you will. And he could just like look at someone's face as they were talking and he'd be like his eye twitched just a little too much so he's lying like it was yeah i don't know how true all of that was but it was pretty decent show (laughs) fun to play into yeah 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 it is fun to play into and i'm glad you brought that up because on that adam versus ever or adam ruins everything episode and another website too it was saying like we, as a society, keep reinforcing the fact that these polygraphs are infallible because of all the TV shows, like the Maury's, like, mm-hmm. and the polygraph says you are the father and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we keep playing into this because it is fun. Like, it would be so nice if we had a machine that just told you who's lying. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't really work like that. Um, another fun fact, like, because 
things are so individualized, most polygraph readers prefer to use their own scoring methods, not computerized ones. Uh, so oh. that further tells you, uh, <laughs> yes. A little like bit of bias, question mark? Kind of. <laughs> it just, it's really hard to standardize it. And all I'm saying mm -hmm. is it's very, it's not as reliable as they say. Like um, back in the 20s, like I was saying, the guy who invented it, Mr. Larson, he was saying it was like a 100% success rate of telling who's lying and who's telling the truth. And I think the scientific community kind of butted in and was like, uh, impossible. Like that is yeah, you can't no say way. That. <laughs> yes. But with all that in mind, remember, our brains are amazing and you can literally lie to yourself and you can beat a polygraph test. In fact, people have. This mm -hmm. is a trivia question. Which notorious serial killer passed a I lie know. detector test? I know. Was it? Oh. Can I just who? say it? Yeah. Wait, wait, Aaron, do you know? Um, no, no. You go, Morgan. I want to hear. Ed Kemper. Oh, I don't know. That's not the one I, that's not the example I had. I don't know. Ooh. Oh. So oh. maybe. Awkward. <laughs> they say a lot of like um, psychopaths can pass it because they're, yeah. they don't react he actually, like that. He actually learned how to give, and it may not have been exactly a polygraph test, but it was like a polygraph test eventually where he was able to, uh, he learned the answers, like what he wanted them to say, and then he was put in charge of evaluating other people in the mental oh hospital. Oh my gosh! And then he was released because he was quote people. reformed. No, he Why? was just that smart because he's literally a psychopath. So, anyway, sorry, sorry if that wasn't right. I just, I, I just watched uh, the Crime Junkie. Or watched, wow, that made me sound a hundred. <laughs> I just listened to the Crime Junkie episode about that, and also he is so just so interesting to me his like just the way he speaks alone is like so crazy to me so i sorry if i interjected but he did he no. he learned how to give tests like that so maybe he's say, i don't know answers, if he i would believe it actually he's one of those killers like not even like taking the killing out of it his personality itself is it mm -hmm. it's so introspective and almost kind of hollow i can see how these questions wouldn't like I mean, spook him he mm -hmm. turned himself in both times. Well, not both. Yes. <laughs> Pardon me. He turned himself in twice after many murders in between, but still, yes. <laughs> yes. So the question I have for you, is it A, the Green River Killer, Mr. Gary Ridgway, or the BTK, Dennis Rader? Oh. Oh, shoot. I don't know I'll say about the BTK. Mm, I'll say it's ahead, the BTK. Aaron. You okay, think BTK? I'll, I'll say River. Good for you, Morgan. Aaron, pick up your glass. It was the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway. He passed it twice. Hmm. So, do you guys want to know how to pass the test? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. I will. It'll be the first well, test I ever passed. Let's go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, there are literally books and classes on how to do this, but I just found, like, the top three things you can do. Cool. So, first, remember those baseline questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. this is your first trick. They're they're going to ask you those questions, um, and they're always going to assume that the perp is going to lie on one. So the questions like, have you cheated on a test? Or have you lied to your parents or stolen money? Most people have done this once, but for whatever reason are going to lie about it during testing. I don't know if it's hmm. in their head they're going to think, like, I'll sound like a better character or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's when they're going to use that um, response to establish what happens when you lie. So, Got it. according to usnews.com, you should lie on the answers like normal 
everyone is a yellow-bellied liar. But also <laughs> bite down really hard on your tongue. And this is going to no, make the charts you. go berserk, leading your interviewer to think, wowee, this perp is a nervous Nelly and can't control himself. It's going to be easy. So whenever you do that, like the pain and stuff, like it may make you sweat a little bit more. It's going to make those charts like go way crazy. Oh. Mm. So you've already skewed your results. The next tip is to daydream. Well, because imagine now whenever you do lie, it's going to look way smaller of a change than that mm-hmm. big first one you did. So the next tip is to daydream. So you're going to try and imagine yourself and the warm sunlight, maybe relaxing on a beach with the waves calmly lapping the shore <laughs> or anything else that makes you calm. So because of this, whenever you lie, the needle on the chart is going to nip just a little bit. And yet again, not as much as normal and also nothing crazy like when you bit your tongue. You rabbit animal. (laughs) And lastly, apparently the methods have gotten more relaxed, which helps skew a polygraph. Like that's not even something you need to do. It's just what's been happening. Um, A method they can use also is to insult you. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is supposed to make you angry or give you some kind of physiological reaction um, that way. And the example usnews.com gave was that the interviewer would say something like, I bet you have sex with dogs, which would obviously startle and probably anger someone. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently Mm -hmm. now the insults aren't quite as outrageous or we're a little more immune to them because TV is more graphic. So take your pick on that. But paired with the less harsh results, your calm demeanor, you know, because you're in that good headspace and your initial skewing of the results, you should hypothetically be able to beat a lie detector test. Wow. Because okay. yet again, it's it's not a magic box like they tell mm-hmm. you it is. It's going to be like read your brain. It's really just reading reactions to stuff. So if you so can kind of trick it. Mm-hmm. So at that point, would it come out as like inconclusive then? Or would it actually say you passed it? Um, either. I'm not sure. I guess it depends okay. how well you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How um, good of a fake liar you are. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So – The main reason people think the polygraph works is the belief that certain triggers happen in our body when we lie that are different from processes when you're telling the truth. But that is not always true. Um, In the APM article I read, they stated that polygraphs are not an exact science, but instead can be very valuable to the investigation portion of a case. Because I was looking into that. I was like, why in the world would you use these if they're not even correct? Um, And I keep bringing up that Adam ruins everything because I love that episode, but he mm-hmm. was saying that they are still used on naive criminals who don't know that they don't work, so they can trick them into telling the truth. So oh, justice. Okay. Um, but <laughs> when I was reading, it also said a lot of times police can use this to kind of see which way to go next. Like if you're obviously lying, they know you're hiding something. They can interrogate you. Opposite, mm-hmm. if you obviously are telling the truth. They can kind of like lay off you for a while. Like it, it's more of a tool to help them weed some stuff out. So which which person to talk to more? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So take your pick on whatever answer you want, but that is why they are still used. Um. And that's really all I had. This is a little outside the norm for my normal stories, but I wanted to share something cool that your brain can do. Like you can convince it anything, pass a lie detector test especially if you are innocent. So be good to yourselves. Don't commit any crimes and be careful around a polygraph. 
Don't commit any crimes. <laughs> Especially don't commit any crimes in my neck of the woods. Well, stay out. <laughs> I'm glad you did this topic, Sarah, because like, yeah. I mean, Aaron brings it up like almost every week. So mm-hmm. if someone doesn't truly know or isn't super into, you know, true crime as much as we three are, then <laughs> yeah, yeah, they probably need to know a little bit of history. And I still learned something. So thank you cool. very much. Glad you guys thank you, it. Sheriff Sarah. <laughs> Y'all sure are welcome. And you're I lucky I let you... I almost called you deputy deputy earlier, and I was like, "Hey, Ooh. that's 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 a quick right. way to get yourself in a sale." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, so yeah, I know a lot of stuff I cover is mostly like um, kind of darker, like you know things that can go wrong in your brain, which trying to protect you. But sometimes it is nice to remember your brain can do you some favors. We do have control; like we can we can do cool stuff. So yeah, yes, that is the polygraph test. Also, something. Yay. Oh, fun fact. In the past, apparently, they used to make people hold hot irons to tell if they're telling the truth or not. Hot irons? I'm talking like Middle Ages. Like they heat up an iron. Oh. And they're like, what's your name? Oh, you look really nervous. You must be lying. <laughs> what? Just ignore my hand burning right now. My <laughs> yeah. skin yes. peeling off. <laughs> so, um, Jeez. at least we're not doing that. Um, yeah. Look how yeah. far we've come. <laughs> Yay, society. So, yeah. Did you guys have anything else before I wrap it up? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Kind of like we all did a little something different this week. Unplanned. Yeah. Look at us. Our minds are so melded together. It's so cute. We're so becoming cute. one person. <laughs> um, yeah. So, thanks for all the love we've been getting on Instagram. That did allow us to make the Facebook. You know, the more followers we get, the more um, the more you guys participate in stuff. It does push us to do more platforms so we can give you more content in more places. So we appreciate you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, continue following us. Please leave us an Apple review and rate us if you can. Please, 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 please. If you have <laughs> – I ain't too proud to beg. No, I'm not going to sing the song. Um, if you want to send us a paranormal story, a, um, a true crime story, a dream – a compliment. We'll take them all at <laughs> Sinister Sunrise Podcast at gmail.com or Sinister Sunrise Podcast. You guessed it on Instagram. And you'll never see this one coming. Sinister Sunrise Podcast on Facebook.com. You can find us anywhere. You can Google us. We're on YouTube now. We've gone Woo! to a YouTube platform, everybody. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I always forget something. I am so impressed with myself. So, yeah, yeah thank you great, for your Sarah. time. <laughs> Maybe I should sleep in more often. Um, so, yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for your love. We appreciate you guys, and we hope this was enough Sinister Sunrise to get you through your day. Bye. Bye.